Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and you read that title correctly of this episode. We have signs of life for 31 bits. So if you are new to this podcast, my recommendation would be for you to go backwards a little bit and get some context on what we're doing with 31 bits, a brand we acquired a few months ago, trying to get it all built up. We relaunched ads just recently after restocking products. We've, we've had some bumps in the road to get things started, but this week I'm gonna tell you about the very first beginnings of maybe something where maybe, I'm hedging a lot here, but maybe, maybe we've solved some big problems. All right, so have we solved some problems for 31 bits? Have we gotten it really going? I I don't know. I mean, I think probably maybe that intro overstated a little bit the success that we've had in the last week. And, um, and this week, I'm not going to quite spend as much time in the details of all of our metrics. I, I hope if you uh, listened last week, you now have kind of a baseline idea of the sort of metrics uh, that we're dealing with and talking about here, particularly in, in, uh, in 31 bits as we um, have continued to move forward and launching the ad account. So, um, you know, so much of this is not is going to be about in the short term for 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 hundreds success with operating 31 bits is going to be about our ability to profitably acquire customers uh, at some scale. And so um, that's a lot of where we're efforting right now and and trying to get feedback from customers uh, quantitatively, qualitatively, getting objective, subjective feedback, both in a lot of different ways. And so um, so last week I told you that uh, we had launched ads and I think I think at the time I'd said we were kind of around a 0.9-ish ROAS. So for every dollar we're putting into Facebook, we're getting about 90 cents back. Of course, there's some delayed attribution on that. There's kind of a good sign here, which is that uh, now another week out from that ad spend, um, we're up over break even in terms of just dollars in, dollars out, not not in terms of cogs, but uh, that that spend has now made a little bit of money. So we're sitting at about a 1.1 on that first spend. And and really considering that we just restocked products, while it is not quite where I had hoped we would launch at, um, I'm, I'm remembering that this is a slow process sometimes. There are real problems to solve for brands. And um, and so, yeah, it, it, it makes sense that it's going to take a little bit of time to get things going. Well, this uh, in since I la- since I recorded um, last week's episode, uh, where I told you we'd spent about eleven hundred bucks, uh, you know, small spend at a point nine. I think I don't remember exact numbers I said, but it's somewhere in that range. Um, we have now spent about three times that much in the following seven days. So uh, I'll give you some very quick numbers. Not going to go super deep here, but we spent um, thirty two hundred dollars since then, so basically tripled our spend, and we're sitting at about a 0.85. Now, uh, so right in that same range. Now, that sounds like we went a little bit backwards, uh, just a touch, and and I would say that's not really true because the reason we tripled our ad spend is because one of the things we realized really quickly at this stage of the business is that we need to test a lot of stuff really quickly. As I said last week, the fundamental problem that we have is that we, we have not been able to make a click worth enough money to us. Um, RPC is this metric I come back to all the time. It just is the, It's just your conversion rate times your AOV. That's going to give you your RPC. Just sort of holding attention how much as conversion rate uh, AOV goes up, conversion rate goes down usually and how those two relate to each other. So um, I, now I'm, I've been really metric heavy in talking about all this and I actually want to pause there and just note something about what I believe about metrics in this case. Um, this is ultimately a human issue, right? This is a question of humans looking at jewelry and being willing to buy it from a brand that they maybe don't know before. And, um, and, 
And the reason I care about metrics is because metrics are humans. Every click is somebody scrolling their feed who clicks on the ad and looks at the product, right? Every purchase is somebody who decided, okay, this, this company is worth my money. I wanna see what they give me and I'm excited about this product, right? That's a human making a decision for every one of those steps. So what I'm constantly trying to think through is what decision did that human make relative to how often they usually make it or whatever, or like how much they spend, like, you know, all of this, there's context built into all these metrics. What decision did that human make and, or did that group of humans make? And what does that tell me about their experience of the brand? And I was having this conversation with uh, Taylor Holiday uh, over the last week and, and he was kind of um, getting on, we almost recorded a podcast for us to argue about this actually. We were just kind of arguing back and forth a little bit about, um, sort of if I'm too metric heavy at this early stage of the journey. And um, and and we didn't quite get there and we didn't have time to record a podcast about it. Maybe we will still at some point. Because one of the things Taylor was pointing out, and I think this is a great point actually, it's just like, hey, this is fashion. You're not selling a problem solution kind of product. And so if you approach it too much sort of in a really objective metric way instead of a more maybe marketing campaign kind of focused way like he and I talked about on the podcast a little bit ago, then you're gonna get sort of lost in this in this sort of hyper optimization mindset uh, that that sort of actually strips the interesting marketing out of a fashion brand, and I think there's a really good point there. I think my my response to that was, um, first of all, yes, I hear that, and 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 just in general, one thing I think is really helpful when you're dealing with teammates who are on your team but criticizing you and who you know are smart is like just to try to hear as clearly as possible what they're saying, um, because I think what what a strong opinion like that Taylor went out of his way to tell me this. Uh, what a strong opinion like that represents is vision. It's vision for a certain idea and how it will be seen through. And so he's he's saying all of that because in Taylor's mind, there's a whole series of action steps that we could take that may solve this problem. Taylor's seen a lot of brands. And um, so so I really want to just hear that and go, okay, register that. Is that is that right? And um, and I'm gonna so I'm gonna come back to the actual advice itself. But one one thing I I think here is that ultimately all the metrics are doing, and Taylor would agree with this, all the metrics are doing is just, yeah, telling me about how humans are behaving. So it's less about sort of being cold towards the people involved and cold towards the brand. And it's more about saying like, what feedback am I getting? So that's why despite bad ad spend, we tripled our spend because we wanted to figure out how many ads can we test how fast? How many things can we um, can we learn about how people are interacting with our site and with our products and with our offers? And like, what can we do? And then can we step back and start to answer some questions uh, or ask and answer some new questions, make some new hypotheses about what this is telling us about how people um, are perceiving this brand? Um, so, you know, the fact that our ROAS end up in that same spot is actually a pretty good sign. Now, another thing that happened in that is that, uh, over that time, is that actually... Uh, over that same period of time, our ads from the previous week actually almost like maybe improved in their value to the tune of 40% uh, as we ran them, as we did a couple things. One of them is we took um, our customers and we stopped sending them we 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 uh, excuse me. We merchandised our collection pages differently. So we started sending them to different collection pages, really being thoughtful about what products we put on top of the page. Um, and we also split our ads to figure out what happens if you take somebody and send them to a product page versus a collection page, particularly in this fashion space, because somebody who's shopping fashion, they're probably clicking on an ad, and they're they're thinking they're seeing a certain product that you put in front of them. 
They're, they're interested in that product. That's what an ad click tells me on a product-focused ad. Something tells me they are probably interested in that product. Okay, and, and we knew we were getting a high click-through rate on these ads, so we knew that uh, we, we at least had a pretty good reason to believe that somebody clicking on this, on this ad was interested in that particular product. And this is a really straightforward product ad, sort of lifestyle photography with the product, prominently featured, headline about ethical fashion and shopping this ethical fashion brand and then a shop now button. So if they were clicking on it for some other looky-loo reason, like if they if it's just like sort of clickbait traffic or something, it would be very surprising to me. I, it, everything about the ad suggests that if you're gonna click on it, it's because you're interested in the product, okay? So then we were trying to figure out what happens. Do we send, maybe if we send them straight to the product page of the product they just clicked on, maybe that will be easier. We sort of eliminate some needless uh, choice anxiety here, decision anxiety, and allow them to go straight to that product and go, okay, that's great, it's at a price I want, et cetera, and then they, they go from there. So um, so it turned out that that did not work. So sending people to the product page um, failed. That was that um, that worked poorly, okay? Um, instead, what worked much better was sending them to a collection page, and maybe because customers want to, want to browse when they're looking at jewelry. Uh, they they want to see lots of different stuff and get an idea of what they like. And even if they come back to the, the product that they first clicked on, um, then yeah, then then at least they've had a chance to look at the whole collection. So so that's what we did. So we sent the collection page. As the algorithm, on Fa as Facebook's algorithm locked in on who the customer is more over the last week, uh, we've now got prospecting traffic with our two best ads as we've kind of... Um, as we've seen, most of Facebook's spend go to these two best ads up now at the prospecting end to a one and a half, okay? Now, that's only uh, $1,200 of our total spend. So we basically kept the same amount of spend week over week for that part and then had a bunch of testing budget on top of that, okay? So that's a really good sign. Now, that actually is really interesting because that's just prospecting traffic and there's not a lot of delayed attribution on that. So that means you're probably close with your uh, remarketing traffic uh, as the bottom end of that traffic, with delayed attribution coming, you're pretty close probably now to getting a two to a two and a half on a product with like 70 points of margin and we haven't discounted yet, okay? So that's that's all really good signs. I think um, that to me is actually really heartening and still like we're pretty early in the creative testing phase, um, but just from the algorithm locking in on who this customer is uh, with a couple of our best performing ads, we're starting to get somewhere already. Okay, so that's really interesting to me. That's actually, I think, in some ways, a really big win. And that's why I started by saying we've got some real progress here. Because if you just uh, condense the entire ad account to just our best performing stuff so far, we're above our target. Now, we're not trying to make huge amounts of money quite yet. Again, as I've said a lot of times, the goal is 100K over holiday uh, months. 100K at a 2.5 MER uh, holiday months. So 40% ad spend of our total revenue, 100K. Uh, during a holiday. I've said that a few times. That's still the goal. So if I could get to like 30 to 50 grand a month in revenue here at somewhere around that 40% uh, ad spend, right? 30 to 50, I'd be really, really happy with that in September and October, or at least being at that pace. We're not that far off of that now. We're, we're not there yet, but we're still building out email automations and SMA, like all these other things around the back of the brand, right? But uh, but we're we're starting to maybe get somewhere like that. Um, so the question though remains, how much can we make a click worth? Because ultimately we're still getting uh, clicks at a relatively uh, cheap cost. So you're looking at, let's see, you're looking at, okay, now 71 cent clicks. 
uh, over that last week, okay? So that, if you know anything about Facebook ads, really, really cheap. You're not, not gonna get that at scale, so we can't ex ex uh, expect that to go for forever, but with 71 cent clicks at prospecting on a product-focused ad with a high click-through rate, that's a, a lot of good indications that maybe you've got like good quality traffic here that can work. So, so again, the point is, you're just trying to solve one problem at a time and ask the question, where are we at? Are we able to keep moving? Are there signs of life anywhere here? Or do we need to like totally come back to the drawing board? What I'm saying is, we have enough information here to say that on that pretty small spend, with a lot of room and a lot of optimization and work left to go, there's some really good signs of life in there, okay? Um, so that's what we're saying. So the question remains, nonetheless, how much can we make the shopping experience better to make it so that those clicks are worth more to us and people get to our website and love the brand? And this is what comes back to what Taylor was saying earlier. One of the points that Taylor was making was sort of a more subjective sort of thing here. And, and he had some great ideas around this. Um, he was talking about like, can you get influencer content to start validating this brand is great? Um, can, you can you start reaching out to get some PR going? Um, not because even you care so much about the actual lift from PR, but just because what you care about is, um, is having somebody's first touch with the brand be something about this great ethical fashion story targeted at a very specific customer that you believe cares about that. Um, uh, or, or something along those lines, right? Um, I, I think there's a couple other things here that we're gonna start pursuing. For one thing, we have very little reviews on our site and we know that matters to people. It, it just validates that this is a brand that you can trust and that it's a brand that other people are using and um, maybe even that it's cool if lots of people are, 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 are shopping from it. Nobody really wants to be the first on, on these sorts of things or, or very few people wanna be the first. Um, actually, we get lots of customers engaging and posting how they're wearing 31 bits on Instagram, just tagging us in their posts. Um, I think that's a really a really interesting thing that we've sort of underutilized so far. On our product pages, can we start pulling in um, examples from Instagram of actual customers who have posted themselves wearing these products? Because if so, then you're gonna give people ideas for how to style it. You're gonna show people what kinds of people are buying the product. And so if the customer can see themselves in in those customers on, on Instagram who are posting, then then maybe they would say, okay, this person's fashion, or this person's style is kind of like me. Um, you know, maybe there's just a little bit more ease of being willing to purchase there. Those kinds of things. So get get uh, reviews, pull in UGC from customers, from, from Instagram, from people who are already naturally posting our stuff, which is awesome. Um, maybe we flip the story on our on our product page right now. We, um, we have sort of the ethics story right underneath the main product hero section. And so that means you've got... Um, Indonesian men as like one of the first things that you see on this page. And maybe that's just like a little bit weird on a on a um, jewelry page. I don't know. So maybe you want to uh, think about how you make make that story known. Um, and, and even just better product and lifestyle photography. We just need lots of that. We've known that for a while. It's all in process. But all those things might just help a lot. So those are all the kind of, you know, UGC, influencer content, PR, like uh, reviews, all those things. A lot of that stuff is is not really, it's not, it's, it's a little softer, it's a little more subjective, it's a little more touch and feel um, on, on how you approach this. But ultimately what I wanna point out is all of those ideas are based on this same metric, which is RPC. We're still seeing that Facebook is telling us that the click is cheap enough and it should be a high quality click, but if, if the click is not worth enough, which is all that metric is telling me, then I need to think about why not. 
What is the custom, what is missing there? Somebody's interested enough in the product and in the brand to click through, but not interested enough to go finish the purchase at the rate that I would expect them to. Okay, so what do I, why not? What is happening there? And that's all it's doing. Those metrics are just raising that question for me, okay? On the other hand, there's some more kind of like objective, like almost sort of like sales tactics kind of things that you could think about here. So um, one thing we tried in the last week was a buy one, get one 30% off offer as our email signup. Uh, that's a great offer for us because of the way it works with our margins. Um, so it would be really helpful if customers took that offer. They did not like actually literally despite signups for our email list, trying to go get that code. And despite ads leading to that, uh, by the way, the way, the way we did this, um, was we just, uh, took our, our email pop-up and we made it so that, um, anybody coming from a certain UTM tag and our ads got a different email pop-up than sort of our evergreen traffic. Okay. So, so all we did is just, we just triggered the pop-up based off the UTM tag. And that's a really easy way to test, uh, this kind of a thing, like really just change the offer like that, uh, at the, at the ad level. So you can see that the ad traffic is sorted out into different places. So, so yeah, so that, that's the way we did that. And it just did not work at all. Like actually nobody took that offer. The ads didn't actually totally tank. Some people still bought stuff, but they just bought one thing, uh, most of that time. So, um, so that didn't really work very well. So Dave, my, uh, my, VP of new brands, brilliant dude. Dave's suggestion was, okay, what if we take that same idea and say, okay, $20 off over $60, okay? And then you think about what, what products kind of fit um, in, in that range. If you do a $20 off over $60 uh, test, maybe, maybe that's gonna push the AOV up. I think one of the huge ways that we need to figure out to make um, our traffic more valuable is to increase the cart value by getting people to buy multiple items. That just seems to me to be kind of a no-brainer here. So Dave is thinking about, can you merchandise or can you um, create offers that are going to do that? Now, at this point also, one of the factors is you, of course, don't want to discount product too much. So you have to be careful. Um, so in that, in, in, in that world, what we don't want to do is just discount product right away. But we're not selling fine jewelry here. All of this stuff is either our paper bead stuff from Uganda, there's still some of that on the site, and then all this, uh, a lot of our Bali product um, is still brass jewelry, right? So we're not building a super premium brand in terms of the actual materials, and I think that material uh, really matters to a jewelry customer. A jewelry customer is going to know when they get to the site uh, the difference between each material that they come across and, a, and have a general sense probably of the cost difference relative to the material, right? Um, we're developing other products that are sterling silver and gold vermeil. Um, I, I've learned my way around some of, some of these jewelry material categories a little bit, and that's gonna push our price point up a little bit. And they are higher quality, longer lasting pieces when you go to those higher quality materials. That's a real thing. So, um, so in that case, because we're we're with we're using brass jewelry right now. Well, um, in that case, maybe we can kind of really try to build offers that work very well, and just assume that our customer at this stage of the journey is going to respond to that um, because that's what you're looking for at this sort of price point and this material point in jewelry. Right? You could also test. Uh, Dave's suggestion was ten dollars off on orders over forty dollars. Um, you could you could try lots of different stuff there. Um, what about? Site-wide banners calling out free shipping just to make that point like a little bit clearer to people. Um, you can merchandise different collections differently and send traffic over to those. Um, change your menus 
Um, sizing, you should think about with, we can think about with rings. Should we add a size five and a size nine on the sides of our six, seven, and eight rings? Even though we don't have that product in stock, at least start collecting email addresses on those products so that we can figure out, wait a minute, maybe there's, you know, 10 to 15% of customers who would buy this ring, but they, it's just too, we just don't have it in their size. Um, there's all kinds of things that we can do. Right now, we think we maybe still have too much Uganda jewelry uh, with the paper bead jewelry too high up on the page, and we just need to really re-merchandise those pages. So all of that stuff is much more of the sort of traditional conversion rate optimization, objective, offer-driven sort of stuff. And those two types of approaches to this probably both matter. You shouldn't have to pick. Um, now, this is getting to be a long episode, and I don't apologize for that. Uh, what I actually want you to hear in this is that there's a million things for us to try. And I want to think about as many of them as I possibly can in order of what I think is the lowest cost to produce and the fastest to produce mixed with the highest upside. So that's what we're going to do. I've listed so far in this converse, in this podcast episode, at least 10 different ideas of things we can do to make the click more valuable. If that's still the, if that's still the metric telling us this is where your problem is, right? Uh, so what we start doing is just hammering away, hammering away, hammering away. And, and as I've started to go after this process and we start to order what some of those things are going to be, I'm actually reminded a little bit of the early days of FC Goods. And I, I'd kind of forgotten about this, um, but in the early days of FC Goods and in the early days of Slick and uh, and all this, I remember you'd have these little wins here and there where you change this thing over here on the page or that thing over there. And, and suddenly you hit something and oh my gosh, you convert 15% more traffic with this one thing. Or maybe it's, you, you do a few things all at once and you can't even really tell if it's working or not. But over time you realize, wait a minute, the click's getting more and more and more valuable. And of course, as you start incrementally doing these things, well, there's like a little bit of word of mouth on the back end of that and social sharing and and all kinds of value that you can't really track to an ad, but actually is better quality traffic and your email list grows and all these things. So all that stuff builds up over time and you get these little wins and eventually your click becomes more and more valuable because you get better traffic from better sources and, um, and you, you make the website better a little bit over time. And that's really the game we're in right now. And, and ultimately, um, I'm really optimistic about where we sit. Okay? And that's because we're immediately seeing week over week with a lot of testing very fast, some things that are clearly outperforming others and sticking. What I come back to with 31 bits all the time is there is just no reason on earth this brand shouldn't work. The margins are awesome. It's a beautiful brand with a real like legit story in a category that has wide reach. We're not trying to become, you know, success for us isn't becoming a, uh, what, 10-figure brand, did I say the number of figures right? Like, yeah, we're not trying to become a billion-dollar brand is what I'm saying. We're trying to be a really good quality D2C brand in this space. And if it becomes huge and we become a $50 million brand, great. But that's not really what success is for us in the long term. So right now, it's a matter of solving one of these little problems after another, little by little. And if we can get there, then we can buy ourselves the ability to solve the next problem. And that's all we're really trying to do at this stage is solve today's problem today, um, which is the beginnings of this RPC problem, the beginnings of this customer acquisition problem. And over time, you keep solving more problems one at a time. And eventually, you'll kind of get where you're going. What I had forgotten was just how iterative that process often is. Occasionally, you take a swing and you hit big and something goes amazing. But a lot of times, that's not how it works. Um, it doesn't make as good of a case study. Nobody published, nobody published publishes the, uh, you know, my agency helped this brand grow 
little by little over four years to be a really good quality brand. That story is the rare one. The the story that you see in case studies a lot of times, you know, is we five X our revenue in three months or whatever. And good for you if that's your story. Like that that totally does happen. And um and that's great. I would love for that to happen for 31 bits, right? But I don't but that's probably not the baseline story for many, many entrepreneurs. So so that's where we're at. That was a lot. Um, but yeah, like I said, I want you to hear just how many ideas we're working through at once and how all of them are rooted ultimately in this one thing, which is understanding the problem first. You understand the problem and then you start going and working on the solutions and eventually we will solve it. All right, that's it for this week. Um, I, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's hard for me to keep track of like all of the different things. There's so many ideas flying in our Slack channels right now. It really is actually hard for me to keep track of, of what things we've tried, what things we haven't, and to keep them all straight. So I'm doing my best to do that. If you have any feedback for me, I'd actually love to hear it. I think, I know there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are going through stages like this in, in your businesses where you're really in that solve core problem stage of things. Um, so if that's where you're at, uh, I would love to hear if this was helpful to you or not. Uh, as always, really appreciate your ratings and reviews and your feedback. I, I had somebody reach out to me just the other day to say, hey, listen to your episode with Taylor about Slick and about marketing campaigns. And have you thought about this? And he gave me a whole customer segment and said, you know, I think a lot of the people riding snowmobiles are actually riding ATVs and UTVs just as well. It's just which season they're in. And so, you know, if you consider going after some of it, and I, I don't know if we'll do that or not, but I just can't tell you how much I just think it's awesome that somebody would go out of their way to reach out with an idea for one of my brands. It's just really generous with your time and with your and I, I appreciate it a lot. So, so thank you. Thank you for listening. As always, I hope things are going well with you. We'll talk to you next week.